the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Studio A, he's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Andy Froyland. A conservative with compassion. Is that like an oxymoron? I <laughs> can you can you actually have a conservative who's compassion? Actually, I, in all honesty, I, I I think it's conservatives that have the greatest compassion. There you are. There's my political rant for the evening. Hi there. Welcome to Lifeline. It is our Friday edition, our special Truth for Today edition of Lifeline. Uh, I I become the moderator tonight. Your uh, your program tonight is hosted by Pastor Phil Howard, Pastor Emeritus Valley Bible Church, here in Hercules, which is where we are coming to you from here tonight. And thank you for joining us. Tonight's uh, tonight's program is going to be a good one. I I'm excited about this because uh, you texted me actually, um, and you told me what it was going to be about, and uh, I thought, oh, this will be good. This will be really good because we can range all over. They were both masters who won. How did it end for those of you who are uh, Princess Bride fans? We're going to talk about grace tonight. And, um, and, and no, we're not going to talk about the, the, the girl you went to school with in, in eighth grade. Uh, different grace. Uh, Phil, what, if, I, if I can ask, what was it that got you thinking about this topic to begin with? Well, because our... Uh producer and, and kind of manager of me said, well, let's discuss uh, the theme of grace on the broadcast. And I said, uh, that sounds like a gospel theme. And uh, here we go. Just, I mean, uh, sometimes it's easy to talk about everything, but what makes the gospel. I was right. just at a church planning uh, group in Greenville, South Carolina, about 70 young pastors. And this church I was at, their motto was Jesus, Gospel, Our Neighborhood. And they took a neighborhood of 350 families that was in like a factory town in a rougher part of that town. And they said, that's our mission field. And all we got to offer is Jesus, Gospel, and a neighborhood. Hmm. And the guy said, my first Sunday, we had five we're now about 125, but we know meth addicts are coming to Christ. Poverty-stricken mm-hmm. people are coming to Christ because he said the answer to America is not big churches, but a lot of little churches reaching the neighborhood. And, uh, hey, uh, the grace of God is what keeps us motivated. It, it's the core of the gospel. Why would God want to be good to the guilty? Can the guilty ever find favor in the sight of God? And tonight we wanted to explore that and see what grace, uh, 
you said it well. The uh, how would we call that an acronym? God's God, riches right, at, at Christ's expense. expense. Uh, it's a tension. How can the guilty? Can you expect a guilty man to inhabit a place where only the holy are? And said, uh, figure that out. Uh, can justice get you there? Well, not really. But can you violate justice to get you there? And we'll we'll be looking at that. It seems to me, Phil, that if we're going to sit here and talk about this crown jewel of the gospel, if you will, um, much like a jeweler in a jewelry store, the first thing that needs to be done, at least in my mind, if we're going to show off this diamond, this jewel, the brilliance of it, um, we need a good black backdrop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Grace doesn't really take on the value you and I know it to be unless we understand what it is applied to. And I think especially in our society, we have lost sight of just how how vile sin really is. Yes. I mean, think about it. Most pulpits these days, sin is equated to, oh, pilfering a pen from work or, you know, not doing your lawn for your wife the day you told her you'd do it. I mean, we've minimalized what sin is. We've reduced it to simple, petty, childish actions instead of a true understanding of what it really is. So uh, why don't we start right there? What is what is it we're dealing with? Why, why is this grace so amazing? It's so amazing because our parents, Adam and Eve, uh, fired God in Eden. They said, uh, we'll set the rules and we will find out for ourselves uh, what you prohibited. Uh, we, we deny the fact of death because the devil lied and we bought it. And we basically said, I vote to be my own God. I vote to be autonomous. And God, um, basically, you're fired. As landlord, we kick you out. And God said, you can't kick me out. I made it all. I made your wife, Adam. I made your environment, paradise. I made you in my image, your image bearers. And in essence, our sin is we choose ourselves over God. And that makes our heart a idol-producing factory. We, we worship sex. We worship money. We worship pleasure. We worship humanism, ourself, narcissism. Let's, we have fallen in love with ourselves. I, I think of what T- Paul told Timothy. You know it's a perilous time when men love pleasure more than God. They love money more than God. They love themselves more than God. And today, it's not safe to be in a lot of places because they're only in love with themselves. And basically, an attitude, you can go to hell because... Uh, I'm living for self, not you. And God says, even as he told Israel, I didn't choose you because you were easy to get along with. And to think that God would come to the rescue of people who uh, flipped him off, bought Satan's voice and lie. Uh, We cannot imagine. I raised children. 
and I think they were easier. I didn't have boys, which seemed to be tougher yeah. to raise. Mm-hmm. But uh, testify. Uh, yeah, but I I think of I grew up as a disciplinarian. I grew up in a home like that. I tell you, rebellion and rejection of authority. This is exactly the human race in total rebellion towards God. And I have to say, the hardest person to ever be saved is the person that doesn't see themselves as guilty before God. Yes, yes. And I talked to a man recently uh, in his 80s, and he said to him, he said, I'm still trying to figure out how God could love me. I've Mm. never answered that. He said, I'm not worth that much. Mm. And and, uh, the eyes were standing in water at that point. He said, I am still staggering at the fact that God would look me up because I wasn't looking for him and I've been a bad person. I said, only your kind seem to rejoice in the grace of God. Mm. But do you have to commit a great crime, go to prison to celebrate this grace? Mm. If we lose it, we become the church of the self-righteous, and the gospel needs to save us. Sounds to me like what you're saying, Phil, is that sin is who we are, not what we do. And I think a lot of people miss this one little point. Am, am I a sinner because I've sinned? Okay, I've committed this sin, so now I'm a sinner? Or have I committed that sin because I'm a sinner? Well, this was the argument in the 4th century between Pelagius and Augustine. And Augustine wrote out of that the bondage of the will. Uh, and, uh, of course, Luther wrote that book. Right. But Augustine argued with this Catholic monk that said, we're born innocent. We're born uh, with a positive bent towards God. And Augustine said, you missed it. And he championed original sin. We're tainted at birth. We come from the womb as rebels. And uh, he nailed it. Augustine was right. He was. He was totally right. And and again, this goes to what we're trying to lay out here this evening is this black backdrop. Any good jeweler will lay out a black velvet mat to show you his most brilliant diamond. And this is what we're trying to do tonight. We want to show off this diamond that we call Jesus. We want to show you this evening just exactly what it is that makes us alive and makes us children of God. And it's all about grace. And we'll continue this conversation about grace here tonight on Lifeline with your guest host tonight, Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're going to take a quick time out, pay some bills, and we will be back as Lifeline continues. Hi there, Jordan Michaels here. Have you ever noticed? And now back to Lifeline. We are back. It is Lifeline. Um, Andy Froyland here, along with your guest host tonight, Pastor Phil Howard. We are uh, discussing grace this evening here on the uh, Truth For Today edition of Lifeline. And we're laying this this background, if you will, of, uh, for grace. I mean, we, we, tend to, we tend to really 
water down and downplay a whole lot of what we know to be true as Christians, and we minimalize a lot of things. And sadly, I think, and I, I believe you would agree as well, Phil, that grace is one of them. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, uh, I just give them grace. You know, I just give them grace. Yeah, great. Yeah. And, and we, we cheap kinda, grace. Yeah, we toss it around like it's yesterday's newspaper, more often than not. So to really lay the background for this amazing grace, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're taking a look at the contrast. And, and uh, during the break, you were saying, oh, this is, it, it's all found right here. So but listen to it, Ephesians yeah. 2. Yeah. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. I don't know where you grew up, but dead is a pretty bad state. Uh, in which you used to live when you followed the ways <clears throat> of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. S- Satan, you were under satanic governorship. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. That's past tense. Past tense. And God raises up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved. And in the Greek language, it's a perfect tense. It happened in the past, and there's remaining abiding results. We have been saved. Some people say, well, I hope I make it. Uh, I might make Can you ever say you've been saved? Here, Paul talking about you can be saved. Done. And we'll talk about other aspects of that. But you can know you've been saved. And that means delivered from the power and the guilt and penalty of sin. For through faith, you got this gift, not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are God's handiwork, poema his poem, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Lewis Chafer gave three motives uh, that God gave for saving. And let me just list them for you. First motive is God said, I'm going to save a people that will do good works. They don't get saved by good works, but as a result of this salvation, they'll finally do something I can approve, something I can approve. Second thing is they're saved because of the benefits 
that I offer them. One, John 3.16, they shall not perish. Two, they will have eternal life. And the third thing is, I saved men so that I can display for all eternity to spirit beings what grace produced. A place full of sinners saved by grace. Mm -hmm. And just think, you and I who have put faith in Christ will be in God's trophy case for all eternity and just say, this is what grace produced. Grace kept angels from falling, but grace saved us sinners who did fall in Adam and did rebel. He said, for all eternity, I'm going to demonstrate what grace looks like. It takes the guilty, those energized by Satan, the disobedient, those who by nature, you know what? I never took any lessons on how to sin. It just seemed to come so natural it, because it was natural to rebel, to do my own will. But here, God said, I'm going to save you and produce a people that please me. And remember this, it's by grace alone that very word, Luther, during the uh, 1500s, when he was having his battle with Rome over justification, how you could be right with God, the battle was uh, Roman Catholics would say we're saved by grace. But what they did not do at that time, they would not say grace alone. They said grace at the baptismal fount when you're baptized, but you need the sacraments, you need this, you need the church to complete what Christ started. And Luther came along, and as he studied Romans and Galatians, he said, it's grace alone, faith alone, uh, Christ alone. As Luther said, God has given us sinners an alien righteousness not in not instinctive to ourselves. So maybe I'm talking too much theology. I wish you'd call if you don't understand this, because this is heaven and hell. Because gospel preacher, what are we saying? I address the guilty, and I want to say, I know how you can be right before the judge of the universe that you will ultimately meet. There's no escape. It's appointed unto man to die, but after this, the judgment. How can you get past this judge? I have to say, by experience, I've been in federal court before, and I was under the sentence of the judge because my taxes were goofed up, my accountant was not doing them right, and a circuit-riding judge out of Washington, D.C., had me in front of a court full of lawyers, found me guilty, and called me into his chambers. He was in charge. I'd already watched him threaten other lawyers. I'll throw you out of this court if you move your head one more time. I was trembling at, at the thought that my future and what it was going to cost me to get out of that court alive, well, I cannot imagine 
coming before God and say, I've lived a life of adultery, immorality, stealing, uh, cussing, cursing, disobeying, lying, cheating, uh, dirty mind. Uh, Name all the sins of Romans 1, 31 of them. I practiced many of them. And I was saved young. Some of you are much better sinners than I was. I got saved young. <laughs> I, I see other men say, you don't even know what a life of sin is about. I was only 14. And truly, I'm glad I don't know what they know about sin. That's but grace. That's grace. Yes. He kept me from what I would have done apart from him. But here he says, because God loves and because God's rich in mercy, he has given us a way that guilty men can go to heaven. How? If he can get a thief into heaven on the days on the cross, he can get you, mister, and young lady, you're not so bad. There's nobody so bad that grace cannot be greater. For where sin has abounded, grace has much more abounded. God saves sinners like you and me. So what are you really saying? (laughs) What am I getting animated about? You know, really, sometimes I've had people say, why do you pastor in the Bay Area? I've just been in the South a little bit. And I thought, because there's so many sinners there, they need good news. They do. And this is the best news there is. And that's what we're doing here tonight on Lifeline. And as Pastor Phil said, if uh, some of this sounds a little too theological for you and you've got some questions that you want to try and, you know, dial it down a little bit to where uh, we can get the cookies on the table for the kids, you're more than welcome to reach out to us here tonight at 888-FOR-KFAX. That's 888-367-5329. We are discussing just exactly what grace is and kind of getting a foundation, if you will, of why it is so amazing and so vital and important in our lives today. And trying to uncheapen the cheapest grace, the greasy grace that seems to pervade our society these days. We have to take a quick time out and pay some bills. And when we do, we'll come back and continue here on Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. It is our Truth For Today edition of Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard, your host, your moderator tonight. That would be me. Hi. I'm the guy with the thumb in his ears waving at you. We are talking about grace tonight, what it is, what it isn't, how I think we've missed the boat, so many of us today, as to what it really is and just how vital and awesome it is. And... uh, that's kind of we've we've left off out of Ephesians, kind of laying a black backdrop, if you will, of the need. Uh, you know, I I, I I think of Proverbs, the, the the heart of a child, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction drives it far from him. We we use that as a, a a great verse to go. Yeah, well, you know, we we do need to take care of our children, discipline them. We hope but, it scares them. But what we fail to see is that underlying blanket there that says folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Not, not, not some children, not a few, not most, all. I mean, it, it, that, is a, that is an all-encompassing. We are, like you said, 
it, it's not that we become this. It's we're born this we're way. We're born this way. This In is sin. My mother conceived me. Exactly. We we didn't have a say. What is it? Uh, Adrian uh, Adrian Rogers uh, would say the the reason babies are born without any muscle is because if they were born with muscle, they would kill immediately. Wow. You know, they 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 you, you change their diaper, you feed them, you burp them, and they still cry. Well, it, they're not getting what they want. <laughs> They're bound up in sin, and then he followed it up with, you know, well, geez, you can get a you can get a four year old to say I love Jesus. Well, you can also get a four year old to say I love Bambi. <laughs> yeah. This is a heart issue we're dealing with, isn't it? It's yes. not it. It's not so much what we do, but who we are. What we are, and, and in in Adam, the the whole race is seen in him and his rebellion. He passed it on to his posterity. And we're the posterity. My father used to say, when you have a child, God handed handed you a young lion. And you better be careful. You better train while you can and evangelize. I, I don't think enough parents are evangelizing uh, their children. Uh, it was amazing grace in my own family. God saved all three of my daughters at the age of five. And and I'm sometimes suspicious of childhood conversions. You know, yeah. they'll do anything to please mom or dad. Right. And uh, but even as adults today, they go back to. At five, I knew I was a sinner. At five, I received, and I said, "Hallelujah, good." Uh, the results. I want the results of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was just thinking of. Um, what it says in Romans, uh, I struggle with grace uh, from a background that was legalistic. And by that, I mean uh, many rules uh, and wanting to be strict and wanting to be separated from the world in uh, the overzealousness of the group. Uh, we wound up making rules that for to keep us from sin. Don't go where sinners are. Uh, stay away from movies. Stay away from bowling alleys. They smoke there. It was very strict back in the 50s, way back, when there used to be a, a thing such as modesty and right and wrong. Uh, but what was tough as a young person, I thought I can receive Christ, but what if I sin? after that profession and I did sin uh, probably cussed at school I was I was good at cussing longs it wasn't at home my folks didn't hear me uh, I, I thought I lost it I got to start all over again I'm either a hypocrite because how could a Christian cuss how could a Christian do that and uh, we sort of developed a law system that unless you keep the rules, you're not saved. Unless you keep the rules, you can't be blessed. And so then pretty soon, uh, as I was studying grace, the issue came up, shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound. That grace may abound. And so I asked the question in this issue of grace can one still be saved and still sin 
well, First uh, John 1 addressed that very issue. And I would say to you, if you're a Christian and you're struggling with some sin, or uh, maybe you're a young believer and you find yourself being drawn to the same habits, uh, the same pitfalls, listen to what First John said. He said, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, and that would be his way of describing sin, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus, his son, is continually purifying us from all sin. That verse used to bother me because as a holiness boy, some days I thought I didn't sin. I hadn't broken any big commandments. So I thought, well, how could the blood of Christ been pure? That innate now as I'm, the years have rolled over me, I'm glad this blood is working for me continually to just keep your mind clean Keep your attitude right. It's a constant fight and struggle. And so he says, the thing that keeps fellowship with God possible is the cross work of Christ keeps speaking to the Father about you. Listen to what he says. If we claim to be without sin, and I was with some groups that were bold enough to claim that, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and merciful. No, no, I, I misread that. He is faithful and just. God doesn't forgive you just because he wants to be merciful and nice. His justice has been satisfied forever concerning the child of God. You will never be condemned once you have placed faith in Christ. There's no condemnation because, not because you don't sin. It's because of what God has done about your sin. It's a gracious provision. Listen, he said, he will forgive us our sins because he's faithful and just. He'll purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Listen to this. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not even sin once. But, listen, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The original word is, he is the propitiation. I love it. The satisfactory payment for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Child of God. I I was teaching a pastor's conference years ago, and I was teaching this passage. Happened to be a holiness kind of group. And I believe in holiness, by the way not in legalism, and not in a salvation that you lose every other day. No. He said, 
I don't want you to sin, but when you do, you've got two things going for you. You have one who will identify himself with you in your guilt. Mm. He will stand alongside of you before the Father and, as it were, put his arm around you and say, Father, this is one of yours. You and I agreed from the foundation of the world that they would be your child. Is that not true, Father? Yes, son. And we also made a provision that these sinners are good at sin, but we're good at saving. So, he said, I satisfied you at the cross about their sin. I satisfied every just demand and just penalty you had. That's why God is faithful and just to forgive the sinner. And believe it or not, you uh, walk away free because God made a gracious provision. Hmm. Lewis Chafer used to say, God is doing nothing today about your sin that he did not do at the cross. Everything about your sin was dealt with. See, I thought if you get saved on Sunday night and you cuss on Tuesday, you just undid it. But guess what? When God said he'd save you, he didn't mean just that moment you profess faith. I foresee every sin, every falling down, every failure, every bad thought, every bit of lust, every bit of greed. I paid for it all. Mm. I did it all at the cross on terrible Friday, terrible, heinous Friday, when my own son said, Father, I've been willing to pay, but where are you on the payment day? My God, my God, why are you forsaking me? And God could really say, because I won't have to forsake that child of God in their sin. Mm. I'll look. You know, in the Old Testament, the eyes of God, when Moses wrote, was always on the mercy seat in the tabernacle. He always he said, you'll always find my presence over the mercy seat. And guess what? Jesus, according to Hebrews, is our mercy seat. And the mercy seat puts his arm around you. You are being kept by the grace of God. Mm. Can you sin? Oh, yes. But you will sin less when you see how wonderful this advocate is. I must say, in this pastor's conference, two pastors, they were uh, offended by the statement. They said, do we hear you right? Are you saying that when I'm in the midst of my sin, Jesus is advocating for me? And I I knew I could be uh, thrown out of the conference. I said, that's what you heard. That's what the text says. It's not what you said. It's what the text said. It's what the text says. <laughs> telling you what the Bible and, said. And, and they said, that can't be. Uh, because as far as they were concerned, your salvation was suspended. There was a, you, you may not be saved. And I grew up with this line. If you were to cuss or if you were to do something bad on the way home from church and you had a car accident, if you died, then you'd go to hell. 
because it would your sin would undo everything God did for you at the cross. No, grace says I paid it all. I love what you said, Andy, the last time. The doing has been done. God has done everything to save you in time and eternity. Grace is not a piece of yarn that can be unraveled, rather a steel cable that can sustain for eternity. Beautiful. We need to take another quick time out. When we come back, we're going to continue. And if you would like to join the conversation, we'll let you. 888-FOR-KFAX, 888-367-5329. We've got an amped-up pastor in the house this evening. Let's tap into it, shall we? Quick time out, and we're back as Lifeline continues. And now, back to Lifeline. We are back. It is uh, Lifeline, our Truth For Today edition of Lifeline, which, by the way, uh, Truth For Today actually airs here on KFAX, Monday through Friday at uh, 8, well, Sundays at 8.30, Monday through Friday at 5.30 in the morning. So you get a chance to spend the mornings with Phil each and every day at 5.30. Great way to get up and get your day rolling as we spend time in God's Word and... uh, Get our get our eyes full of Christ, as they say. Full of Christ. Full, full of Christ. Christ. That's uh, that's going to be the answer to all your problems and all your issues. It's really that easy. It's not rocket science, is it? No, but we uh, we started Valley uh, over 50 years ago, based upon two things. Really, the Word of God ought to be preached, and so we chose to go verse by verse. And uh, I mean, in those days, I was so zealous. We did Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and one man got so mad because I started Leviticus. He was the evangelistic type. But you know what? God saved more people in the midst of all that blood and gore in Leviticus because we would have to run to Hebrews and present Christ, and God saved. And then I think we started Valley. I did, from my background, because I gave up my ordination and started all over, that this is going to be the laboratory of the grace that I've come to see, especially in the book of Romans, and that can justification and First John's explanation, can this be real? Uh, won't people, uh, isn't this much grace a license to sin? And what did God do? I've been with uh, people who've been saved for years. And when we started in Pinole, God had already saved a lot of young people, but they didn't know where to go. They were searching. And when they came to uh, the hall that I was renting, uh, let me tell you, they didn't look like church folks. Uh, They looked like hippies. Uh, they, They looked like Jimi Hendrix. They look like uh, they look like the Bay Area. They were dressed all different ways, and we thought my wife would say on the way home, "I don't know if any of those people are saved." <laughs> and I said, "Well, I'm not going to put them under any rules to see if they are. I'm going to watch and see what grace does. Hmm. Grace, according to Titus 2:11, the grace of God teaches us." to deny ungodliness and to learn to be disciplined, to live as redeemed people. And I've watched 
and those who were with me in those days, those that are still living or still walking with Christ. Some were not, but many, they were changed, their dress changed. I did more weddings in those days because nobody believed in marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, already living immoral lives. The free love society. Uh, free love society. Hate Asbury, yep. the love child, all this stuff. And I watched the grace of God not make them lawless, but gave them the motive to want to please God. And their morals changed, their behavior. Uh, I had one man tell me, if you had an American flag in that hall, he wouldn't attend. They were that rebellious. Right. Uh, they, they they hated the Vietnam War. I mean, these were rebellious, free-thinking young people. But I, I got to witness, and when I talk about the history of this church, what I do is I've got all these biographies of changed lives. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and I had a couple of the pastors that came out of that said, you never put one rule on this. And had you, we would have bolted out the door because we were rebels to the core. But the grace of God disarmed them. The grace of God melted them. And do you obey God because he threatens you? Or have you ever come to love him and treasure him? You, we, we've kind of touched on it a little bit. But one verse constantly comes to mind, and uh, a real brief illustration of it afterwards. He who is forgiven much loves much. And again, if if we know what we've been forgiven of, which is that black backdrop we've laid out, yes, we're going to love much. I rafting down the Rogue River in the 80s, and I, those of you who have been around KFAX long enough, I may have told this a time or two. Uh, on, on a raft with a very good friend, I've got other family members. We've got three rafts going down the Rogue River. We hit a rapids. My raft with my cousin and my best friend, go. it capsizes. It knocks us all out of the raft, and m- me and my cousin are laughing, having a blast, and my friend is going, hey, Andy, can you grab my hand? I'm going, oh, yeah, sure, sure, and I grab his hand, and it's a vice grip. Hmm. He can't swim. <laughs> we didn't know, you know, until that moment. But he uh, he considered that a saving moment for him. Post that, uh, Bruce would have given me the shirt off his back any any day of the week. He his his demeanor towards me changed. I was his hero, hmm. and it never really ended yeah. throughout life. And that's just a very shadowy, small snippet of what you've been talking about here tonight. And again, he was forgiven much, loves much. You you lay this out as you've been doing, and how you know? Then the argument that Paul presents, that most people want to present, becomes a moot point, doesn't it? Shall we sin that grace may abound? God, God forbid. forbid. Yeah. I I love what John Piper uh, in some of his recent books has said. I'm not sure a man is saved until Christ becomes the treasure of his heart. He said, anybody, anybody wants to go to heaven when they know the choices are two, hell or heaven. Do you want to go to heaven? You'd have to be out of your mind not to want to go to heaven. Yeah. But then would you choose Christ over your sin, over 
whatever is competing for your heart, your girlfriend, uh, your, your habit, whatever. Uh, he said, has he become the treasure of your heart? And, and I find that Christianity loses its vitality when it quits being a love affair because it certainly was a love affair from God. And you remember yes. what he told Ezekiel, e- Ezekiel 16. He said, you know, Israel, when I began with you, I found you in the wilderness. You were drowning in the afterbirth of your mother. And he said, I took you. I cut the umbilical cord. I washed you. I cleaned you. And you were a little girl. And as you came along, I, I, I decorated you. I got you the best garments. I got colognes and perfumes. And you were the apple of my eye. And finally, I thought, you know what? Uh, I'd like for you to be my wife. And when you got to the age of marriage, you said, I'd rather sleep with the gods of Baal, Mm -hmm. the gods of the Philistines. And he said, you're breaking my heart. He said, said, matter of fact, you're like a a donkey in heat. You'll sleep with anyone but me. You'll give your love to anyone but me. And do we have any right to question someone that keeps talking about their sin that never gets to their Savior? Yes, we have every right because the tree becomes known by its fruit and by the love of its life. Yeah. What what do you love? Well, on that note, we're going to have to pause one more time and uh, make sure we're legal for the FCC at the top of the hour, pay some bills. When we come back, though, I, I want to pick up and continue on this uh, subject, not only of grace, but how sufficient is it? How complete is it? How complete and, is it? And, and how pervasive. All right? So we'll do that. Quick time out. We're here at KFAX. We'll be back as Lifeline continues after this. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 